Hey guys, this is the Different Animals Podcast. It's uh, This is Tyler. And I'm Ever Castro. And, um, you know, we've, we've had some stuff going on, uh, you know, across the country and also in smaller segments in each individual area. Um, so we decided we would uh, touch base on that. Um, I didn't want to ignore it. I know that um, Ever talked to me about it before this, but, uh, you know, we're not really a super affected demographic, I guess is what I'll say. Um, I'm white, so I don't have, you know, I don't have the same problems or the fear of police. Um, yeah, 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 and so, and, um, I'm Mexican and, um, and, but, so, you know, so sort of to kind of give people a background on how this is recorded, uh, just to give them a behind the scenes or how this, you know, how the sausage is made. So we usually record on a weekend and then we give it about a week, week and a half, maybe two before we post that episode. And that allows Tyler to edit it and put it together just because, you know, we're just getting started and we definitely don't want to do like normal podcasts do, which is, you know, they'll record on a Wednesday and they'll have it out by Friday. And maybe right. eventually we'll get there, but you know, right now we're just getting started. So that's why, you know, the episodes are, um, are released the way that they are. And so for this one, I definitely, well, A, I, you know, I, I did, like I said, when we first started this podcast, I wanted to get people's mind off of stuff, you know, because we have the, the quarantine and coronavirus, and I want to be talk about stuff that people can just listen to and, and relax and not have to stress about, you know, what we're talking about, you know. Yeah, and exactly. so then this is this was designed, um, created to be an entertainment type of podcast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then, as I was thinking about today, because we were going to record, uh, t- so you'll hear this on Thursday the fourth, and recording this on the first or Monday. And so this is the fastest turnaround we probably will ever have, just because just the way that we record. And so right. I just I definitely wanted to get it out, and I'm sure by Thursday it might be a completely different world or whatever. Um, but I didn't want to. I felt like something that is this big and seems to be affecting everybody and changing. I mean, we have a curfew here in Raleigh at eight, and they're going to keep doing it every day until the, the the mayor says no. So who knows how long that'll last. And we can go into this in a little bit, but I just wanted to explain to people like sort of why we're talking about this early on, and why it's sort of taped off from the rest of the conversation that they'll hear, that they'll hear after this. Right. So, I, I originally had concerns about episode three's audio quality. Um, I think I've saved it more than I thought I was going to be able to. So we're going to release two episodes. Um, but I figured this is something we should talk about. Um, so I'm just going to throw this in the beginning of episode three that you're currently listening to. Um, and once we're done talking about this, you're going to hear the, the rest of the episode pick up like none, nothing had happened because that was recorded two weeks ago at this point. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it'll be different. It'll, it'll be like, well, these guys don't really, you know, they're, they're not really mentioning anything and they're kind of, so that's what we wanted to avoid. We didn't want to just release it straight up and be like, oh, well, like these guys didn't even mention it at all. So I, I definitely uh, wanted to talk about it. I didn't, what I didn't want to do or that I, I was sort of hesitant to do is just to be on here and be like, well, here's what's going on. Here's what we think about it, which I think is important. But I think the moment belongs to other people who have been set aside for so long that at this point, it's most important that we listen to black people who have you know, been dealing with this their whole lives or who are dealing with the situation right now. Um, and the best thing we can do right now is just be a good ally and listen and, and help where you can. Um, I know I talked to a couple friends today who 
you know, they, they said, well, you know, I've given money, but I don't feel like that's enough. And like, you know, and they were, uh, I'll go into the Raleigh purchase in a little bit, but they were like, you know, I don't just want to do that. I want to do something with my time. I want to do something with my body. And it's definitely not the same as it was, you know, before quarantine. Before quarantine, you could just, you could go out, do whatever, but now you have to be more hesitant about that. You have to be sort of uh, aware of that and, you know, the police presence in um, whatever city you're at. And so I told them, you know, just donate where you can, see where you can volunteer, donate to bail funds, uh, donate to organizations that are, you know, doing the, the work on the ground um, and just, you know, do, do what you can to, to help out. You know, if you can't, you know, be there, talk to people, talk to friends, talk to family, talk to especially parents, um, explain to them sort of what's going on, you know, uh, read up. Like I said, the best thing you can do right now is just listen and, and fit in where you can and, and be the ally you can be if you're white. And if you're black, um, you know, know that we're here, know that we're listening and know that, you know, hopefully things will change and, and it won't be easy and, and it'll be for a while. It'll be difficult for a while, but, you know, it'll... Hopefully, yeah, something will happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it it just doesn't feel right coming from my mouth, but like realistically, I mean, the black community has unfortunately had to fight extremely hard for anything throughout history. You know what I mean? Right. As much as as much as you know, MLK is trotted out in front of everyone. Um, you know, by everybody as this, uh, this patron saint of activism. Um, it's not really brought up, you know what I mean? Or at least it's not well known or well accepted that, you know, at the time of his death, he, and the years leading up to it, he was considered one of the most hated men in America. You know what I mean? And especially even if you take aside like the, the civil rights part of it, I mean, like we're talking about, Civil rights, which we do, I feel like, you know, generally agree with um, that equal rights is important. But we're also talking about, like, the Vietnam War, which everyone has now come to accept was a mistake. And he was saying it was a mistake at the time, and people hated him for it. Right. So as much as it's awful coming from my mouth, it, it has historically been a struggle for a community that it shouldn't need to be. Right. But, um, right. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm with... The community as much as I can, you know what I mean. Any way I can help, I can. Um, right. I mean, there's. I live in a small town. There was like a very small protest, um, in my town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they blocked off one of our uh, bigger streets, I guess I'll say. Um, but even in this small town, uh, there's you know images floating around. There were guys in a in a truck with you know rifles riding around supposedly right. trying to protect businesses but very right. obviously trying to intimidate people so exactly. um yeah. just stay safe um as much as you can because it's not like police make it easy um they actively go out of their way to make it more difficult but um try and stay safe yeah he, um here in raleigh um i was in chapel hill on friday and i came back on saturday and my girlfriend and I, we drove by downtown and we saw, like, in the distance, some police cop cars, like, uh, with their lights on. Sort of, like, far away. And I figured that um, it was kind of, I don't know, like, nothing had happened. And so we just went home. And then later that night, we saw on, or I saw on Twitter, you know, people had, 
been protesting throughout the day and it was mostly i mean it was it was peaceful everything that i saw looked like every other event that i've been to downtown you know just people with posters people walking kids people with their babies everybody wearing masks everybody being safe about that um you know trying to be as socially distant as you can in a protest and 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 then um from what i saw then it just flipped the switch and it flicked and then the cops showed up in riot gear and they started shooting tear gas and that's when everybody started um breaking windows um but then to this you know right today monday we don't know if people you know the people that started breaking windows were people who were part of the protest or they were just agitators yeah Um, and that's that's one thing that seems to be kind of across the board for whatever information you could find is that it seems like a lot first of all it seems that most of the people vandalizing stuff are white um and you really only have two options to interpret that in my opinion which is that there's the the ignorance is bliss uh interpretation which is this that um you know white people don't have the same experience with police officers as black people um and so maybe they don't quite grasp the seriousness and danger being put into the crowd the amount of danger they put the crowd into when right. they do something like that because they've never had that experience. Right. The other example, which seems to be the case most of the times, is that you have outside people coming in doing it to undermine the protest, which is unfortunate and 100% intentional. Right. Um, there's that video. One of the very first videos about it was the guy in Minneapolis that burned down the auto zone, who they immediately recognized was a cop. Um, and as far as I can tell, has been outed to be a cop. That's right. very clearly just trying to agitate things so they can undermine the message. Yeah, and it's, it's hard because, you know, that, that first initial night in Minneapolis, there were protests and the riots and stuff, and, and people, you know, broke stuff. But, you know, it's this weird line where you go, yeah, they broke stuff, but it makes sense, right? You can only push down to people before they, you know... Exactly. Break back and ever, like, uh, attack, you know, uh, push back, right? So it's this weird sort of mix where it's like, you know, the agitator shouldn't write, but if you have honest anger, if you have true anger, then I look at it like it's not, I don't know. I don't want to say justified because I'm not the person to say it's not justified. It's not justified. But I feel right. like in my eyes, I go, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know? Exactly. Like, that's the like thing is I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like if you, the best example I can come up with, and it's a perfect example because I feel like it fits the analogy um, and also everyone understands that this policy is horseshit. So I, I think it, I think it works, which is that if you're a kid in school, right. And this bully walks up to you and shoves you into the locker, right? You don't do anything. Cause you're like, I'm not supposed to fight. So next day shoves you in the locker. Next day shoves you in the locker. You then start to tell teachers like, Hey, this dickhead shoving me in lockers. And you know what I mean? Like, this isn't, this isn't cool. I, I like something needs to be done. Right. Right. And the teacher's like, yeah, that's awful, and nothing happens. And then, you know, happens again, happens again. You tell the teacher again, the teacher's like, quit complaining. There's no real problem. He's not actually shoving you in the lockers. And you're like, no, he is. Um, so then shoves you a couple more times. Then the kid gets in a fight, right? The kid swings on the guy that's shoving him in lockers. Now, mm-hmm. everyone by the book is going to tell you, like, you can't have fights in school. That's the rule. Both of you get suspended. But everyone knows that at some point, when you don't listen or help the kid that's getting abused, 
he's going to swing on the person that's abusing him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're getting that same exact analogy here, which is that police, by and large, have been murdering unarmed African-Americans, men, um, women, just in general, uh, with no repercussions, no convictions. um, You know, half the time it's paid leave. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so at some point, we, we've had a protester. We had Kaepernick, Neil, in the NFL, and the president of America came out and called him a son of a bitch. So you can't argue that we need more peaceful protests because every time there's been a peaceful protest, there has just been people to dismiss it. Right. It was Black Lives Matter, and then it was Blue Lives Matter, and then All Lives Matter, and then it was Kaepernick kneeling, and then it was, you know, the NFL is a shame, and now Kaepernick doesn't have a job. You know what I mean? Like, every Mm -hmm. turn, they've tried to tell us. They've let us know that this is a problem. And largely as a country, we have ignored it. And now people get pissed and they break shit. And as much as we all understand that, you know, you don't fight in school, or in this case, don't break shit, that at some point, something has to be done. Right. Yeah. Especially, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so we, yeah, you said it perfectly. And so, and so, I, yeah, I don't know, I, I, we just, like, I, I texted Tyler before the recording, and I was like, you know, we should say something, and I don't know, but going forward, I mean, you know, so much has happened since um, last Monday, and, you know, that was, what, six, six days, seven days ago, so, you know, when you hear this in three, things might be you know, very different, I would just look at how much stuff changed over the weekend, so, yeah, so, yeah, just reach out to people, you know, talk to them, reach out to black people, talk to them, you know, listen to them and, and help where you can, you know, whether it's calling, donating money, volunteering stuff, moving, you know, taking water down to protesters, whatever you think you can help with or whatever, um, you know, you can do, um, you know, please do it. Um, I know posting is, you know, that's helpful, spreading the word, talk to people, talk to family, Talk to people who, who maybe, you know, they they aren't aware of it somehow. Like, people who are just like, oh, yeah, there's some stuff going on. You know, talk to them and say, no, like, this is important. This is big stuff. Like, this is this is history book level stuff, right? So, you know. Um, yeah, and, and, I mean, if there's, I mean, there are going to be people who don't see it. You know what I mean? That as much as you can right. point it out, you know, it, it's always a few bad apples. You know what I mean? Like. It's all it ever is somehow. And, uh, you know, it's as much as those people aren't going to agree with it. I mean, there's always the chance that maybe someone legitimately just doesn't get it. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying you have to antagonize everyone that doesn't agree with you. Because the thing is, is that most of these people, I think, that don't agree with the statement at this point are kind of willfully ignorant. Um, they're choosing to not understand what you're saying. But if you ever get the sense that someone is legitimately not understand, you know what I mean? Like, feel free to, to, to explain it. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. If it's if you don't think they're just, you know, blatantly ignoring it. I mean, yeah. for what it's worth, that's one of the only things that, that, you know, maybe I as a white person or you as a Mexican person can help with aside from, you know, like you said, the actual action. As far as just communicating, I mean, like, if there's family members that you think just don't care, 
You know what I mean? It's not that they they disagree with it, they just don't care. You know what I mean? This could be your chance to, you know, like explain why this is a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, we just hope we hope you enjoy, you know, episode three. We just wanted to, you know, not not talk about it, right? We wanted to make sure to get out there and, and you know who knows how this is going to change. Maybe, you know, we might have to do another one of these next week because something drastically has changed or something. So, right. I mean, I hope not. I hope, you know, things get better and, and, and I don't know, or, or something happens. Um, but see, even me saying to hope things get better, that, that maybe that's just me going like, well, I hope things get back to the way things were. But it's like, is it? Like, are they? So, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I guess um, I, I, it's not... I, I had friends, you know, bring up the fact that he got arrested and he is charged with like third degree murder. I'm like, look, it's progress, but it's not. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not what progress is. This, in my opinion, progress is only progress when it's made in good faith. And this very obviously to me felt like um, something being done to just try and appease the people while yeah. also not going too hard on the police officer. So uh, obviously we hope things get better, but not at the cost of actual progress. You know right, what I mean? right. I mean, that reminds me of that, you know, the Malcolm X quote where he's talking about the knife in the back he's like you know people you know will stab you in the back and they'll go in nine inches and they'll take it out three and they'll say well that's progress and then they'll right. take it out all the way and it's like oh there's even more progress but that isn't progress right you, you stabbed know, because me. real yeah exactly real progress is the healing um but these days there's people who you know don't even want to acknowledge that there's a knife in your back at all right. um and so but yeah. and one thing uh, i know i already kind of like brought up the mlk thing but one thing i will say is that like mlk understood why people rioted you know what i mean there's been the quote that's you know been shared around where just riots are the voice of the unheard you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh he didn't condone it he never came out and said you know like go riot but he never acted like it was some appalling unbelievable thing and because i mean yeah yeah, sorry go ahead sir and and truthfully uh, i think if you look at history uh, and I don't think there's any way for MLK to have achieved the things he did without Malcolm X being the alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems very much like, you know, as we've seen, the government, white America, don't generally care about the protest until we have a different problem. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think I think that kind of pushed, at the time, you know what I mean? I think Malcolm X kind of pushed it. The answer is, you know, you either ignore MLK, but like if you if you listen to what he's saying and make action, then maybe you can calm the separate group down. Which is realistically at this point kind of I feel like what you gotta hope the riots achieve in some manner. Which right. is that like action needs to be taken or shit's gonna get worse. Right. right. Anyway. On that note, do you feel do you feel good? Do yeah. Think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that yeah. Like like yeah. so just to sum it all up Take whatever action you can. Yeah. Uh, help wherever you can. Donate wherever you can. Yeah. Spread, and listen spread to the people. word and spread time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the rest of episode three is coming up. Um, yeah. Enjoy, guys. And like we said before, you know, like, subscribe, and, you know, let us know what we can do. Let us know. And, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get be able to get your mind off of stuff for a little bit. Absolutely. Hey, and this one's extra long, so maybe that's just what you needed. Hey guys, welcome to the Different Animals Podcast. This is your boy Tyler. Hey, what's up? And this is Ever Castro. And today, on episode three, we are going to be touching on 
um, very attractive celebrities uh, punching a 53-year-old man <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, possibly touching on some Nicolas Cage and some little dicky. But before that, I'm going to play this intro. So the first thing we we should talk about here is is a tweet that I saw you respond to, which is that um, someone said, find me a more attractive on-screen couple than Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on uh, on that question? Yeah, I think I believe I immediately said uh, Daniel Craig and uh, Ava Green and Casino Royale and... Uh... And then who else? I said Brandon Frazier and Rachel Weisz in The Mummy. And one more that I can't remember off the top of my head from that tweet. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that is a very high bar to clear, I think. I've, I mean, that that is peak Angelina Jolie and I guess Pat Pitt as well. But, uh, yeah, Casino Royale is one of my all-time favorites. So I always go to that one for whenever I think about, you know, when somebody looks best on screen, I always think about those two. Yeah, Daniel Craig has a face that should absolutely not be attractive. And and I will admit that it still is. And I don't understand. Yeah, it's like this like uh, sort of like Celtic, like scrunchy, like punched out face. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it, it is very hard to explain. But like, I think if you put his face on anybody else with less charisma and a worse body, you're like that dude just looks like a regular guy at a fucking grocery store. Yeah. He looks but like, like somehow character. it all yeah. works for him. Yeah. yeah. It lines up. Yeah. My mine uh, was Denzel Washington and Eva Mendez. And my first thought was in training day. But when I Googled it, apparently there's another movie they're in that I haven't seen. I can't remember the like name of it now. Out of sight or like out of time? No, the, the time one is a different one. Right, that's a that different one. That was Paula Patton, I think. And yeah. then this one, I forget which other one. It's like one of the crime ones that he made that wasn't very good. Yeah, but either way, I was like, yeah. they're both super attractive. Or and... I think, and then I, I think I told you, I was like, or Eva Mendes and Will Smith and Hitch. Or right. Eva Mendes and Ryan Gosling in The Place Beyond the Pines. Or Eva right. Mendes and... Uh... <laughs> so basically... Eva Mendes put this couple on her back, though. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh, she, like, yeah, she managed to uh, find a, a good niche for herself. And then uh, Antonio Banderas and Sam, uh, Salma Hayek and Desperado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> Antonio Banderas accent just really tops that one off. <laughs> I know a lot of dudes that are like unwilling to admit that like celebrities are attractive. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just too worried about it. And I'm just like, nah, dog. I, I, mean, I would fuck Antonio Banderas if he walked up to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are like, oh my gosh, like you know, these people, celebrities. They, you know, we, they, they, we, like they're attractive for a reason. Like, or like they're in movies for a reason because they're attractive. Like you know, like, like right. People... Unless they're in a comedy, they're not gonna look like a fucking bridge troll. And I was like, yeah, exactly. And I was, I, I was literally just gonna say, I was like, unless you're Seth Rogen and you crack the case, you crack. The case. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to you know be in movies with 
or, or Adam Sandler, where you get to be with like Jennifer Aniston, like three movies in a row, and it's believable. Like usually, you're pretty good looking for a reason. You know, it's just kind of like you know. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. I, I find kind of like ideas of storytelling very, very interesting. And part of that storytelling, or the the reason that it, it's like wired into our brains, like from from birth, is because it's like myth making. You know, it, it helps us make sense of the world. Right. And so it's easier for us to digest stuff if it's good looking people because we are attracted to them regardless of whether they are a man or a woman. It just helps us stick, right? So if we put ugly Joe Schmo and his female equivalent in a romantic comedy, it's not going to click as well because it's just not going to stick in our brains like, you know, like it would be if it was Angelina Jolie or Brad Pitt, you know. Exactly. So if you had to if you had to just say who you think is the most attractive male celebrity who are you going with currently i have my answer. yeah currently and i have my answer <laughs> right off the top tiny wiry timothy chalamet i'm just kidding no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i really no, like to uh, break him in half i'd probably say oscar isaac i think oscar isaac i think he's very charismatic and he's he, you know he's he's good looking i think he's yeah, what movies has he been in? Because I can't put a face to the name now, but I'm he, sure I've seen him. Uh, he was in uh, the Star Wars movies. He's Poe. He was in Ex Machina. Okay, I know who you're talking about. So mine is Idris Elba. Idris Elba absolutely should have oh, been yeah. the, first of all, should have been the next Bond. That would have been the most perfect fit, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, yeah I, I'd fuck Idris Elba. He'd fuck me in half. It'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I have no problem saying that. That man looks like a god to me. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it just like yeah, it sucks that he like he, so he, I I don't know their ages like right as we speak, but I know Daniel Craig is he's fifty something, and I, I don't think Idris Elba is that much younger than him. I think it's like uh like not that far apart. He's he's forty seven, and Daniel Craig is fifty two. So he, they're only five years apart. So it's yeah. So it's like one of those things. It's like yeah, this is Daniel Craig's last movie. But then by the time he's done, he's like as you know. And, and then if Idris Elba does become Bond, he's gonna be as old starting as Daniel Craig was when he made this his last movie. So it's yeah. Like, but then but, I, but you know, I don't, like, think, I don't think Idris Elba looks as old as Daniel Craig does though. Yeah, I think no, if he clean true. shaved that's him, true. I think and, he'd I mean, be fine. And, yeah, and I mean Roger Moore in the eighties, you know, or in the eighties and seventies, he was making Bond movies and he was old as shit. Like he was like old, <laughs> he was like an old man by the time he's done. Old ass motherfucker. He, he is old, dude. <laughs> uh, shout out to ageism. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know it's like yeah, it's no, like, I get it. You know, if you saw Captain Marvel, they de-aged Samuel Jackson, right? Right. And so it works when you when he, when he's talking to Brie Larson, he's you know he looks just like he does in the in the nineties. But then you see him run, and you can clearly tell that it's an old man, just right. in the way that he his body moves. You know, it's like that. It's like yeah, you can have Idris Elba, and he can look in a suit. But the moment he starts to run, you're like, get that man an AARP card. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely get that. That's it's like that scene in The Irishman. I still haven't seen The Irishman because yes, it's, it's such a daunting it. thing. But like I've seen the scene where Robert De Niro has to kick someone, and that shit is the most. Death, bro. It's uh, I think it was Dragonfly Jones on Twitter said that it looks like a fight from the uh, puppets in Team America World Police. <laughs> That's perfect. 
Yeah. Oh my god! It just makes no sense. It's like why didn't they get like a thirty-year-old and just put his face over him? It, it, right. There's no way you couldn't have got Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what I mean? Like you've already done a million fucking movies with the dude. Just put a stunt actor in there who's thirty, right. who's like hit about the same build, and then just put his face over him. If it's easy enough to put a, a, a fake face over old Robert De Niro, then just put a fake Robert De Niro face on a stunt man. I haven't seen the yeah, movie, so they did don't... that. They did that in Wolverine, I think. Um, yeah. I remember watching yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a CGI React video by, I think it was like Corridor Crew on uh, YouTube, and they talk about uh, when he's, is it Logan? Logan. Yeah, Logan. Logan yeah. When he walks down the steps and he like looks at himself, it's that's mm-hmm. a stunt double, but they fucking did it perfectly, so it yeah, looks so they, just they, like Hugh Jackman. They should have done that to De Niro. You're right. That's how they did the, the Winklevoss twins in the social network, you know, because one is yeah. Army Hammer, and the other guy is some other guy, and they just put Army Hammer's face over the other one, and it's seamless, so... Anyway, yeah. shout out to the Irishman for being so long that I haven't watched it yet. Same. I'm just like, I got a kid. I, I, I ain't trying to late. fucking dedicate three and a half hours of what little free time I have to that movie. No offense to the movie. I just ain't. I just don't have the time. Right. Same. Same. So, if we're talking about old people looking like they should be in the AARP, um, let's talk about what I previously called punching a 53-year-old man. Um, so, <laughs> if... You had asked me at any time in the past year, like, I would give you a million dollars if you took a punch in the face from a 53-year-old man. I'd be like, of course. I will absolutely take a punch in the face from a 53-year-old man. I'll be fine. Then I saw a video of Mike Tyson sparring. At the age of 53, and it was legitimately one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, I mean, the guy, I think, it's like Michael Jordan. It's like, he's always going to have his jump shot, and Mike Tyson's always going to have, you know, a right hook. It's like these these things that are so wired into this person who is built for that task that it's never going to go away. Right, and I think what's, what's nuts to me about it, though, is it's not just the punch like his movement like he's ducking dipping left to right so fast for a man at 53 years old i think he could legitimately and this is gonna sound ridiculous because it's the same logic as um the bucks i don't remember a while ago when yao ming was coming down i think like he was starting to get injured and get out of the league there was Uh a guy called like Oh boy, I'm going to butcher the fuck out of this name. It was like E. Uh, God, Jin Lian. Uh, that's wrong. That's not how you say it. Promise. Um, but he was like a seven foot uh, dude out of China. But all the mm-hmm. film they had on him was like him doing post moves on like a tall wooden chair, and the moves looked great. So everyone was like, "Oh my God, he's going to be amazing." And he came to the league and sucked because the the thing is is. It's very easy to juke the shit out of a chair. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, I'm going to say this, but I think Mike Tyson, if he wasn't 53 years old but in the same shape, I think he could legitimately contend for a title. Because my only, the only thing that keeps me from saying he could do it now is that, like, I don't know at the age of 53 if you can take those kind of punches anymore. You know what I mean? Like at a certain and, point, it's just like, you can't, you can't take a punch anymore. Right, right. And you can't say that because that is the, 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 the screenwriters of the film 
Rocky Balboa from 2006 will sue you because that is literally the plot of Rocky Balboa. Rocky it is. comes back, right. fights the world, heavy, world heavyweight champion. Who was, I don't think who he was him. Acted, uh, acted by an actual world champion boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, th- I don't think it, it, I don't know if he beats, I think he loses. I think Rocky loses again. So that's, you know, I think he, he I think Rocky's pretty much 500 over his film career. <laughs> uh, but no, but so he beats, no, he goes like toe to toe with this guy. And I mean, Rocky, Stallone, I don't think he was 54. I'm, he might have been like 60 or something when that movie came out. I think they did. All right. It's unrealistic that he would fight the world champion, first of all. But I will say the logic behind the movie was was pretty good, which is that Rocky breaks his hand in the like early rounds, first second rounds, and from watching enough boxing, from what I understand, the thing is, is if you break your hand, you are you, you basically can't use that hand for two or three rounds. But then by that point, it has numbed up so much that you can just start throwing it. So, like, I, I think that was, like, it was a decent logic where, like, of course, Rocky can't win. You know what I mean? But, like, you're going to give him a fighting chance. He's going to break his hand, which is cool because he's old. And then, you know, like, can't he's... can't win, Rock. <laughs> exactly. I can't win. Uh, he was 60 in that movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, but but either way, I still think Mike Tyson is throwing those punches fast enough and hard enough. They sound like fucking thunder landing outside my door. Um, there's zero chance I would take a punch from Mike Tyson for a million dollars. Zero. Zero. No, yeah, same, same. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, yep, no way. Um, and, uh, speaking of another, uh, icon from the 90s who's still around and still making headlines, uh, Nick Cage is going to be Joe Exotic. I know you're excited about this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm half excited because I like Nick Cage, but I know you, you're full excited because you like both Nick Cage and you like Tiger King, which I know we've discussed before. I was kind of like, eh, like, okay, I can skip this one. I'm fine. But you liked it. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's not any sort of highbrow, uh, <laughs> like, there, I, every time I talk about this documentary, I preface it with, like, look, I know this is going to sound bad, but you need to watch this. Because, again, as I said in, I think, episode one, I love to see bat shit, insane people try to navigate the normal world. And Tiger King is another level of, of insanity because those people are real. They live among us. And, and there are so many of them. And this is only about three or four of them. Mm-hmm. And so Nick hey, Cage playing the main crazy one, the main loony. Which, which, that's the thing is, is the main loony is a psycho. If we're talking about Joe Exotic, but the most, uh, the person that like has lost touch with the reality the most is one hundred percent. This guy in South Carolina at Myrtle Beach, he calls himself Bagavan, which apparently means touched by God. The dude has, he has a harem of like four women. He has lost his mind. That dude is so out of control. And I love, if you watch it, dude, the first time in the first episode, you're going to see the directors meet him, right? Uh And and they're the ones editing everything. And they're like, hey, and he's like, well, well, hold on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk around the back. You come to the front. I'll open it up like MTV Cribs, blah, 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 blah. And we'll do that. And he walks away. And the directors look at each other and they're like, 
I guess he's just going to direct this thing for us, huh? And, like, they <laughs> left that in the fucking documentary, which made me so happy. Like, I'm so happy they made him look like such an asshole. Because he is. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like, um, he's, it, like, when you, as you were explaining who he was, I was like, Jared Leto. Get Jared Leto on this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jared Leto, in the role of this crazy person, he's going to, like... Yo, he has a long soul patch thing. and a ponytail. It yeah, would work Jared so Leto. well. <laughs> complex, Jared Leto. <laughs> I but always yeah, I, get Jared Leto confused. For, I don't know why. I get him confused with the dude who plays the main nemesis in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, uh, Jason Schwartzman? Yes. I don't feel like they're anything alike, but for some reason in my head, I'm always like, uh, yeah, that's Jared Leto in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And the answer is no, it's not. It's not even close. It's like this weird, like, sort of skinny, like, nerdy energy. Like, it, it's the same energy uh, Jared Leto has in um, Fight Club. You know, just kind of like... I forgot he was in Fight Club. Yeah, he's the guy with the blonde hair who gets the yeah. shit beat out of him. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, going back to Nick Cage, though, which was your uh-huh. original point, is that, like, Nick Cage can wear any mask. You know what I mean? Like, acting-wise, he can yeah. wear any mask. I've seen him be action hero, which uh-huh. is wild. Um, I've seen him play, and I guess it's a comedy, Raising Arizona. And, like, I've seen him play in, like, B-level movies. And now he's going to be Joe Exotic, a crazy person who owns tigers, which is just redundant. I feel like you have to be crazy to own tigers. I don't need to say it twice, but a crazy I mean, person well- that owns tigers. Nick Cage is his own pretty uh, crazy person. He like, the stuff he did with his, the money from his nineties is insane. Like I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head what he bought, but I know that he named his son uh, Cal L. <laughs> oh, what is with Kal-El these people? He named, he named his son uh, Jor-El. One of those two. He either Superman or Superman's dad. He named one of he named him one of them two. Stop naming your kids ridiculous shit for the sake of your children. Don't make them hate you. Yeah, like, uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, like, uh, Cal, oh, let me see. Nope, I can't find I can't find it, but he named it one of them, too. Um, but I, I personally, like, I, I like Nick Cage when, not when he goes, like, full Nick Cage, I think. <laughs> I, I think that's, like, you know, sh- uh, you know, to, to sort of to, to paraphrase Robert Downey Jr. from Tropic Thunder, you don't go full Nick Cage. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't full Nick Cage disconnects people, and people will just kind of go, "Oh, this is kind of weird." If you <laughs> people, like, able to hone it, like they did in the mid '90s, like like Michael Bay did in The Rock, where you have like little flashes of it, even Face Off. You know, you have little flashes of Nick Cage. Um, what's another good performance? Uh, uh, National Treasure. I mean, National people right. love National Treasure. I mean, I. Shout out to the uh, U.S. Uh, social studies uh, structure where we watch National Treasure every year. <laughs> yeah. as a history, history document. Um, Shout out to the North Carolina education system. Shout out exactly. to you. Shout out to hey, let's, yeah. Let's uh, let's keep showing that one. Uh, but I mean, it's a great performance, and it's you know people watch the movie all the time, and. I think the reason it's six is because he has a good performance in that there's like little flashes where he kind of, you, you see like, Oh, oh, there's like a little bit of Nicholas cage. <laughs> um, did you ever see matchstick men where he played a con artist with, uh, Sam Rockwell? I didn't, but that sounds perfect. So he has, he's a con man, but he has, I think Tourette's or, he, and so <laughs> you can imagine what he does with that. Yeah. He has some sort of 
he's some sort. Yeah, he has like ticks, and so you kind of you kind of go, okay, I know what he's gonna do here. <laughs> but so, but even then, it's like that one board. That's like the most you can handle before it kind of goes into like full like um, what was the movie with um, the Wicker Man with the were the bees or why did it burn? Uh, <laughs> if you aren't able to control it, it just goes overboard, and instead of being like good schlocky, like I was, you know, how I was talking about Deep Blue Sea last week. About how it's, you know, it works because it's, like, schlocky, but it's not too schlocky. So there's, like, still some weight to it, but it's fun. That's what you have to do with Nicolas Cage. Because if you go too much, people disconnect from it. But if you don't, it works out really well. See, but what's perfect, I think, for the Joe Exotic thing is I think the whole situation naturally leads you to disconnect. I don't think a normal person can connect to someone owning and running a tiger facility then in that case then if that's the case then maybe like well hmm it's something that maybe it makes you think about how like some things maybe just aren't meant for short certain story formats if that makes any sense right like so a documentary you look at it and you go ew and you kind of learn from real life things but a, right. uh, a dramatized story you kind of have to read it and care about it if you're going to follow it at all. You know? Right. I think this, I don't know that this will work. First of all, because it's a series. I don't think it's a movie, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a Netflix series, yeah. The the Nick Cage one, right? It, it's going to be a, yeah. mm-hmm. adapted series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it might work for it because it's a series. And I think the other thing that might work for it is that it has permeated you know, most people know about it. You know what I mean? So, like, right. as much as it, it's hard to, like, connect to it, I think because everyone knows it's based, and I don't know how much, I don't know if it's going to be loosely based or, like, directly based, because it'll work either way. Yeah. Directly based on something that happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I wonder even if you would naturally disconnect for it, you know this is somewhat real, and so you still buy in. Right. And I don't think it'll work. I think it's just such a weird idea to take a documentary and turn it into a show. Yeah, I, I yeah, and and then like if people watch it, like I don't think there's there's gonna be a single person who is going to watch the Nick Cage series who hasn't already seen the Tiger King documentary. Like even like me, right. like I probably wouldn't watch it because I'm like I didn't want to watch the documentary. I don't want to watch the drama. Um, so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people react to it, how people want to, like, what they want to get from it. Because what, like, what would you, like, like, honestly, like, what what do you think a drama series would give you that the documentary doesn't already give you? It, there can't be anything. Right. Like, like <laughs> I would argue uh, budget for, like, you know, some of the, the higher, I don't know. I mean, it's fucking tigers. You know what I mean? Like, you, I feel like you need a high budget to, to do that. But he already had the tigers. Right, the tigers. tigers. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I think thing... I'm just going to get to see. I think what it's going to be is I'm going to watch like 20 minutes of the first episode just to see Nick Cage be. Dude, dude, the joke. Yeah, do him. I'll just like see the casting and see each person do each character. And they'll be like, I'm good. Yeah. This is all I wanted. Right, right, yeah, because like, like I was saying, like, so the only thing, like, in a normal movie, like, if you wanted to see a, dra- a dramatization of like a music documentary, like, let's say that they do a documentary on, I don't know, who's like a, a rock, like, uh, like if they had done a documentary about Queen, the band Queen, right? Right. You're gonna want to see Bohemian Rhapsody because you want to 
see the story played out in real life. You want to see like sort of the behind the scenes. You want to see, you know, what Freddie Mercury was thinking. But for you to watch Bohemian Rhapsody, you watch it and you care about him as a like a character sh- like on the show. Right. Me watching the Joe Exotic show, I don't know if I would want to watch it and be like, I want to care about what happens to Joe Exotic because they're all psychopaths and sociopaths. So like, why? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. What, what the drama would give me is not something that I would want because of who it's going to be about. Right. I think the reason it, like I said, I think the reason it works in a documentary format is because this is telling you that this thing that is absurd on the highest scale is real. You know what I mean? And like a drama doesn't bring that same feeling across you know what i mean like you right. watch the documentary and you're like if if i had told you like you know there's this guy who owns tigers and like hires convicts for all of his workers because they can't get work anywhere else and um you know one day one of them gets their arm ripped off by a tiger and the owner just walks up to the crowd like hey just want to let you know someone got their arm ripped off by a tiger i'll give you a rain check just come back next week you'd be like that's insane and there's no way that's real but the documentary gives you that Whereas if I told you that and then showed you a drama, you're going to be like, this is still just made up. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, so I mean, I guess gonna connect. Cool. and they're going to show the scene of the guy getting his arm cut off, but it's like, well then. Like, I hope it's so over the top, like fucking evil dead, bro. I hope, I hope the tiger rips it off <laughs> and he's like just blood gushing, dude. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? You know, the only way that this movie would be interesting to me would be if we get scenes of the movie from the perspective of the tiger. Oh my god, you're right. Bro, Tiger King is about the tiger who is king of the zoo. That's that's sort of thing. Tiger Tiger King colon that tiger went tiger. <laughs> I got tiger's blood. Um straight from Charlie Sheen's mouth. Um that that's I remember there being an old PC game forever ago where you played as a deer hunting people and it would just be a real life version of that game. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, um, get the jaws. The jaws point of view is like. Jaws point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the reason I thought about it is because you know, in the Evil Dead, there's these shots from outside the cabin where like the spirit is like like going through the woods, ground. I just imagine that as like the tiger going low, and then Joe Exotic's spewing some bullshit or something, and then he just like jumps on him or whatever, you know, when he attacks him and uh, pulls him by his leg. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, the honest. Well, I mean, I'm always down for a Nick Cage um, performance that's kind of a little out there, if it's properly out there. But another thing that makes me excited for this is that I think it's being uh, shaped or developed by the guy who did American Vandal on Netflix. Did you ever see that show? It yes, was actually one of both seasons. You bought both seasons. Okay, great, great. Um, I love that show. And it's very hard for me to recommend. Or it's really, I recommend that show to people all the time. But it always has this sort of barrier to entry because you try to explain to them that it's this, you know, it's a spoof. It's a crime doc about dicks. Right, right, right. But it, yeah, and it, it, it's about dicks. And then season two is about poo. So <laughs> you but have it's to, done so well. It's done so well. It's such a great send up, especially if you love crime documentaries, because it sort of follows everything the same. You know, the recreations with computer animated, except the things that are being animated are like dick drawings and... You have to go into it knowing, you know, the recreations uh, like those um, where everybody's in the shadows, but then in these, it's like somebody pooping into a bag and then stuff. So, but as a whole, I think it says some very important things about technology and about um, how we are connected through social media on a much more subtle, in a much more subtle way or a much more, um, 
how can I say, like, uh, deft hand than something like Black Mirror, which I think is much more uh, heavy-handed. Um, but they're so good, but they have this barrier to entry because of what they are about, or on the surface level, what they're about. P or uh, Dick Dick uh, drawings and um, a turd burglar. Right. I remember <laughs> trying to get a friend to watch it, and he, I was like, look. He was like, what's it about? I was like, look, it's about a guy who spray painted a dick on a teacher car. And he was like, yeah. what? And I yeah. was like, just, you just gonna have to trust me on this. It's done. It is like the best possible version of a, a satire for right. that. Yes. that, yes. that yes. Um, and, and, it, and it has something to say at the end of both of them. And I'm sad that they canceled it, but I'm glad he's on it. And I think if, if this is done correctly, it could be something closer to Wolf of Wall Street rather than something that just recreates like a shot for shot or like a a, a, a storyline for storyline recreation of the the, um, the documentary. Right. Yeah. De- definitely. Yeah. But I binge the fuck out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Unrelated. Just I'm doing a callback. I saw a scene from a Nick Cage movie, and I don't know what the fuck was going on. I don't know what movie it is. You might be able to call it out, but he's in a in a. Tr- car with three black dudes one of them being i want to say exhibit and oh, is it protocol new orleans or tenant? it might be i don't know all of a sudden he's just like give me the money and exhibit's like play it cool man i get the money he's like <laughs> he just starts yelling sup he's like sup sup like like just like <laughs> waving the gun around just saying sup and like freaking out and i was like this is the most nick cage shit i've ever seen in my life Nobody think, else could could do this in a movie. I, I don't even know if he pulled it off because I only saw the clip. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if if you do anything but laugh at it. But he's the only person that would be allowed to do that. Yeah, I think that is uh, Bad Lieutenant Protocol New Orleans. <laughs> um, I I think that's the sh- that's the movie where they there's a guy who they kill or something, and then Nick Cage is high on drugs, and he tells the guy who shot the other guy like, "Hey, shoot him again." And he goes, why? And he goes, because his soul is still dancing. <laughs> Look that scene up. I think I, that scene's definitely from Protocol. I think yours is too. I think Exhibit is in that movie. But uh, that's, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I, those clips make me kind of want to watch it. Right? Like, I just, that that seems like full Nick Cage. Right, right. Um, speaking of um, binging, you said you binged another show recently, right? Yeah. Yeah, I binged through Tiger King, and then, um, well, don't think I started anything for a little bit, but I recently started Dave, um, which is the little the the show about little Dicky based loosely on his life, um, I believe, and and it is really good. Apparently, it's the highest rated show on FX. That's kind of crazy. I I because it's always Sunny was on FX. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, can't believe yeah. this got rated higher than that. And then I watched it. I was hesitant to because I don't really care for Little Dicky that much. Like I've heard some of his music, and yeah. it's like some of it's okay, but like I just couldn't get into it. And then I had a friend recommend it. He's like, "No, it's really good." And so yeah. I binged the shit out of that. Um, I think I'm like one episode away from finishing it, um, but I knocked yeah. that out quick. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm this. I feel the same about Little Dicky. I don't have much exposure to his music either, uh, but I've heard similar things, and. Um, I usually have this sort of uh, anecdotal way of, of sort of reading if something's popular, like if people like it, like, you know, just kind of 
go like, all right, is it, is it in people's like Instagram stories? Is it in their Snapchat? Do they, are they tweeting about it? And Dave is one that has popped up on like a lot of Instagram stories for my friends where like, they'll be like, why well, finishing Dave? And it's people who I kind of go, really? Like you, that like, that's the show that you're going to watch? I mean, okay. And so, but I've seen it a lot more than other shows. So I'm, I'm excited to start it. I'm excited to, uh, you know, watch it. And I heard they got a season two um that's cool i didn't know that but that makes sense i mean i don't think you can have the highest rated show on your network and not re-up you know (laughs) right yeah yeah i mean that's the show like you said they had always sunny i'm trying to think of other comedies they had baskets which which uh won a a few emmys they had atlanta which is you know yeah atlanta's huge that's probably what i'm gonna binge next yeah so you so you're gonna binge dave right you're gonna just watch all of it in like a three-day span right no, <laughs> so I I don't really uh, binge shows. I uh, I know I'm, I'm you know like, I, I consume a lot of pop culture, but binging shows is just something that I don't really do for some reason. I, or I, there is a reason. I I, don't, I I just don't like inhaling something so quickly just to be done with it. Just to say I finished it. Um, which is why I, I've never been a big fan of Netflix's um. Dropping sort of everything all at once. Dropping everything all at once. Um, I, I like my weekly HBO shows. Um, a, you know, so I can. So the reason I do that and that I've always done that is because I, I like watching a show, thinking about it, taking it in, being like, okay, you know, reading about the episode, thinking about what it means for the show as a whole, thinking about where it's going next week, and sort of just digesting it so that it, you know, it sort of calcifies in my in my mind as a, as a singular episode, and then next week doing the same. Um, I used to watch, um, when I watched The Wire for the first time ever, over the course of a summer when I was in school, like I literally, like, you know, summer laid out for the, or school laid out for the summer, and I started the show, and I literally did one episode a day until the new um, semester started, and it fit perfectly, but then, you know, that allowed me to sort of think about the the, the season as a whole and remember it, um, without it sort of getting lost in this rush of three days, you know. Right. I think... I'm the opposite. I I binge everything. And I think it's more of a lack of self-control than anything else. I finish an episode and the very first thought in my head, if the show's any good, is like, boy, can't wait for that next one. And then it pops up and it's like, hey, you want to watch the next one? I'm like, (laughs) sure, fucking do. Didn't have anything else I was planning on doing. So then I watch it. And and Mm -hmm. it also, I don't know you know, which came first chicken or the egg. But I've Mm. also mentioned that I'm, I don't think uh, about shows or movies really on a meta level ever. Like I don't, I don't think about what happens outside of the movie. Like I'm purely in it, in the present of that story. You know what I mean? Like I'm not thinking ahead generally. Um, I'm not trying to figure out how to place this within something else, or I'm not thinking about themes. I'm not thinking about messages trying to be put across. I'm just in the movie in the moment. And so I wonder if that plays into me binging stuff or me binging stuff is the reason why I don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it could be either one. I mean, um, for me, I, I, I mean, it's one of the reasons I do it just so I can think about it and be like, you know, oh, like, I can't believe he did that. And sort of whatever themes or, or ideas are brought up in that show, I want to see how they fit as a whole. Um, the one show I did, I did not binge simply because I, I saw it 
as it came out and immediately was like, I'm keeping up with this. You can't stop me. It is Breaking Bad. I definitely mm-hmm. watched that mm-hmm. week to week. And that is also the show that I've probably thought about most in terms of like what's going on. What does it mean? How are we supposed to view certain characters? But the other thing is that I also get most of that information from other people more more suited to doing these kinds of analysis. I can't pull it together for myself because I'm so just in it at the moment that like Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to find themes. And I've had a problem with that even in school. Like I remember I was going to college to be an English teacher before I dropped out. And I remember even in English, like, they'd be like, what are some of the themes and messages this author is trying to get across in this thing? And my thought was always like, you don't fucking know. There's so much shit we could just be attributing on our own that the director didn't mean. And I've seen that happen in rat songs. I've seen people ask rappers about lyrics, like, oh, is this what it meant? And they were like... Nah, that's cool though, but no, that's not what I meant when I did it. Yeah, and so right. I wonder how often that's happening to shows or movies or books or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if sometimes we give a little too much credit. A little too much, uh, yeah, yeah, like, wow, like, this means, that, like, um, what I always think about, when I always uh, picture about people over analyzing certain rap lyrics, I always think back to the Kanye West song where he talks about, he keeps it Roman, he keeps it 300. Do you remember that? Uh, no, that's uh, that's black skinheads, right? Yes, yeah, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. and so he says, you know, I keep it Roman, I keep it three hundred. I, I mean, he's just saying that because in his mind, like, it just it just conflates the movie three hundred with Greeks, and it's like you know that same set of sandal sort of Spartan warrior right. mentality, right? He's like, eh, you know, Troy Greek uh, Romans, fuck it, right? <laughs> I remember seeing on, I think it was Genius or somebody somewhere else where he goes, I keep it Roman, I keep it 300. And somebody was like, He's, he means he keeps it 300 because in the Roman uh, numerals, three uh, 100 is a C. And if you put three Cs, it's calm, cool, and collected. And he's saying calm, cool, and collected. No, it's like when he says on another song with Tyler Crater, he's like, I'm Tom, I'm Tom Brady if Marshawn is throwing to me. No, he's just putting shit together that sounds cool. Yeah. It, it doesn't make like Marshawn if Tom Brady's throwing to me like what like wait what just because they were in the Super Bowl together like there's nothing more to it sometimes than right. what it is. He made but, a link in his head that has nothing to do with anything and just went with it and you're looking too far into it. Yes, my yeah. favorite version of that is fucking like people do that. I think to Jay Z a lot, and I think Jay Z's I think Jay Z's super talented and does mean it a lot. But what's funny is I think he got in his own head because he has a line. I referenced it earlier, like an episode or two ago, where I was like, uh, where he says, triple entendre, don't even ask me how. Um, and the thing is, is the line he's calling a triple entendre before it is not even a fucking double entendre. It's just a fucking. <laughs> a, used, a tundra. He just used homophones. You know what I mean? I think that's what they're called, right? When two, <laughs> like, like two different words sound the same. Like, he just put uh, that in. Mean- Homonym, that's what it is. Homonym, homonym, homophone. It's one of those. Yeah, either way. Like, he just used one of those, and it's like, that's not a triple entendre. You got in your head, you were feeling yourself a little bit, and you missed it. <laughs> you fucking missed it. It's like, yeah. I wonder if we do that to, to things too much, and I personally do not do that. All I do is I'm just fucking watching. A, a triple entendre that, I, that, I, that he does that I actually do like a lot is in So a appalled by Kanye West where he says um so f- so fucking fly 
I'm not. Or I'm so fly. I'm fucking so fly. I'm fucking not playing. Yeah. Which is great because it's you know like plain like P L A I N like plain. He's also so fly that he's plain like a plane. And he's also not playing. I'm like oh the levels. Right, exactly. You're doing that fucking uh the gif I always see with the dude where he's doing his the hand and the fireworks going off behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Real hip hop. He's fucking not playing. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know. I mean, you know, some people like it's not. I, I don't want to say like you have no self control because sometimes people just you know they want to watch it. They want to watch it. Um, I like to sort of go. Okay, I watched one. I'm excited for the next one tomorrow. So, for example, um, earlier in this quarantine, I was watching the show Sharp Objects. Uh, it came on HBO. Do you remember that one? It's with uh, Amy Adams. Um, and I think it's just her and it's uh, based on a short, it's based on a book by Jillian Flynn. It's a short series, eight episodes. And so episode seven ends on a cliffhanger. And I remember I was watching it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to watch the next episode tomorrow. <laughs> it was available. It was right there. I could have just pushed play, but I literally said, I stood up from the couch and I was like, I can't wait to watch that tomorrow. Oh God, I can't wait to see how it wraps up. Please tell me you're watching hours. it with someone else. Or like the show? No, uh, like with somebody else watching the show with you. Oh, no, 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 Cause no. Because that would have no. been so amazing for you to be like, I can't <laughs> wait to watch that tomorrow. And they're like, tomorrow? <laughs> like, excuse me? It's right here. Right <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really there. I mean, the show ended like a year or two ago. Um, and so right now, um, Avatar was recently put on – Avatar The Last Airbender was recently put on Netflix. And so for that, I'm doing two episodes a day. That's fair because that's a, what, probably like a 20-something minute episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so. <laughs> so you, you want to talk about fucking no self control, bro? I watched Dragon Ball Z. I downloaded all of it. You know how fucking long that thing is, and I did not watch the abridged version. I watched the real fucking thing. And Some people say that they're still screaming. <laughs> I made it from like the first episode to the end of like the first or second saga in like a day and a half. I have zero self-control. I had nothing else. It was over the summer. I had nothing else to do. I was like, cool. This is all I'm doing. I'm just watching this shit. Hey, I, I, yeah, I love Dragon Ball Z, but I don't think I could ever rewatch it. Or I mean, it's like, not I used great. to love it when I was a kid, but I, I loved it when I was a kid. And I, you know, you, you love the idea of it, but now I'm like, eh. it has its moments where it's like super lit, but there's too much downtime. And also I immediately wanted to turn it off. Because the very, very early on in the show, I wanted to say the first episode, but it can't have been that early. But very early, like, Goku just leaves Gohan out in the fucking wilderness and Piccolo's watching him, but Piccolo wants him to toughen up, so he's kind of just watching from a distance. And it's like four straight episodes of toddler Gohan whining and crying like a small child, and I just couldn't deal with it. I was like, I'm going to turn this off four episodes in because this shit is way over the top no yeah yeah i yeah you couldn't pay me to rewatch dragon ball z these days anything short of like the you know the youtube recap ones right yeah it's it's a little odd it's it's a little it's a tough watch yeah yeah um speaking of uh you know you were talking about um binging and and i was talking about finishing up quarantine stuff i i recently watched uh die hard with a vengeance which is the third one um, and I feel like every time I get on one of these episodes, I'm like, Hey, here's another movie from the nineties that everybody's kind of forgotten. Let's talk about <laughs> it. Uh, 
Um, but it's um, it's the sec- it's the second sequel, the third movie. It's you know Bruce Willis is back. It came out seven years after the first one, 1995. So it's what is that? 25 years ago? 25 years ago this year? Holy and, shit! Um, it stars Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson is his partner in this one, and they're trying to stop a bomb maker or a, a, somebody who's setting up bombs in New York. And so that's it. I mean, it's pretty much that. That's the setup. Um, but what it got me thinking was um, best sequels because I feel like Die Hard Three is very close to Die Hard One in terms of quality. I think you know Die Hard One people still watch it all the time. It's a classic. If I would Christmas say you know movie. Die Hard One, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, Die Hard One is an A. You know, it's an A movie, right? Right. Like a classic, like A movie, like like the letter, like the great uh, great letter, or letter grade. Sorry. Yeah. Also, it's a classic ass movie. We'll go with it. <laughs> Super, yeah, yeah. Uh, Die Hard Three, I would say, is right there. It's like an A minus or a B plus. So it's close, but it's not quite. But the fact that it's even close at all is kind of insane, considering how shitty sequels have been, how sh- shitty sequels are now. And I think I have I have thoughts about why that works, which I can get into in a little bit. But do what are like what are your favorite sequels like what are some movies that you think are like the best sequels and i mean you can go like you can say like godfather 2 or like the dark knight but what are some that you think are great like maybe that people haven't thought of if you if you have any off the top of your head all right so here's here's the problem is i'm gonna start this by saying i i don't re-watch movies um for no reason other than i have some sort of fucking psychological problem where rewatching a movie to me is wasting time i could be doing something else for the first time. Not even time. when you like really liked like I, I, I almost not very 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 rarely. Um like I've watched Tombstone a lot, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh-huh. Um I definitely watch The Matrix a lot. Um but like there's a I just don't I've watched Pulp Fiction maybe 3 or 4 times. I've watched Inglorious Bastards 3 or 4 times. Um Quentin Tarantino is probably my favorite director, but you know, I, there's also a lot of movies I just haven't seen where I just, for whatever reason, haven't gotten to it. But with that being said, it's always hard for me to think back on, uh, you know, specific movies because when you don't rewatch movies hardly ever, like you watch them once and you, unless they're leaving a fucking grand impression, like it's it's very hard to remember things after one watch. But what I will say, if I had to label uh, an amazing sequel, is that matrix reloaded is actually fucking amazing the second matrix movie is amazing i i like that one i like that one for for two things so like in the middle there's this long sequence from when they're in this restaurant to a freeway that's like a long action scene it's like 30 minutes with the with the two dudes with uh braids or dreads in the white jackets yeah that is one of the best action sequences in any movie period I mean, even before that, you know, even before that, Neo fights uh, like werewolves and like other remnants of other matrices and matrices in like, this foyer, like this this like hotel lobby with like uh, weapons on the walls. And that one's great too. A lot of great fight scenes. Uh, like a good uh, choreography in that one. And then it moves to that freeway chase scene, which is awesome. Um, but uh, and another reason I like that is because it. Or maybe I think I, I think it's impressive is that at the end, it goes oh this whole thing is bullshit like this this that you being the one is just like this has always happened it was always going to happen we built the one into the system to reboot it every time 
um, there's always been there's been seven other you or ones. You know, you're not the only one. So yeah. I like that the movie just like at the end goes, wait, no, the first one it upends the first one in such a uh, interesting way. Um, but as a whole, I, I I'm not a, like I'm not like I like it and I like that middle action scene. But uh, I think maybe I have to rewatch it just to see if it clicks, especially with the new one coming out um, in the future. But yeah, yeah, I, I can I can yeah. I can see why that second one. Um, it's good. Yeah, that's one. Of, that's definitely one of my best sequels. I'm trying to think of of other ones, and off the top of my head, I, again, I'm just so bad with sequels. Like, and we're talking compared to the first movie, right? Like, we're not talking in the middle, because I because like, um, I feel like you could say, like, for example, Thor Ragnarok. It's so infinitely better than the last and, straight up Thor movie. You know and that's what, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say about the, the 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 thought that I have about why some sequels work, which is the only way that a sequel can work and stand on its own is if it separates itself in either theme or tone or genre from the previous ones, but keeps the characters. Right, and this works, and, and Ragnarok and, definitely turns more into like, I mean, Thor as a character becomes infinitely more comedic. Right. Yeah, it becomes it's funnier. It has this sort of a quirky comedy tone that gets turned up and the action is much brighter than the first one. So there, right there, you have a, a change in tone right off the bat. Right. Other sequels that work, you know, Alien to Aliens. Alien is a horror movie. Aliens is an action movie. And that's why it works. I think anytime that there is a sequel and the sequel is different in some way. I think that's what makes it click. So, you know, even sticking sticking with the MCU. Captain America 1 is like a war movie, but Captain America 2 is like this thriller. That's like, Winter Soldier, right? That, that was yeah, oh yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like this sleek spy thriller movie. And that's the reason I think people remember that one. Right. Um, and the reason that people don't go, hey, Ant-Man 2. Hey, man, like, you know, they don't bring Ant-Man 2 quotes up all the time because Ant-Man 2, while I, do, I did like it when I watched it, it's the same type of feel and look and, and tone as the first one. It's just basically you just go Ant-Man and two movies are pressed into one. And as much as I love Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, the second one that came out last year, it's pretty much the same tone and look and style and feel as um, Spider-Man 1. Yeah. Or uh, Homecoming. And so I think ultimately while people do like it now and they'll talk about it now in 10, 15 years, um, I don't think it will be remembered maybe as well as other ones, which actually, which is, is a testimony to how good Spider-Man two, the the first ones from like 15 years ago, right. how good as a movie it is, because it's very similar to Spider-Man one, but both of them are remembered pretty fondly. And Spider-Man two, I think is one of the best to this day, one of the best comic book movies that have ever been made. Yeah. I and, think if, I think if you're going to play it the same way, like if you're going to play the sequel, the same as the original, then you have to not falter at all in any aspect you know what i mean like like john wick right like john wick 2 is is no different of a movie than the first john wick but because it it is the exact same level of what you're expecting you know what i mean and it doesn't falter for a minute that you're like okay with it you're not bummed out right yes yes Although, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I see, exactly, exactly, and I, I'm not a big John Wick fan, like, I liked it, and I kind of, I, I, I get it, um, I don't 
love it, which is weird because I love most pop culture things. Like I'm a, I'm a, you know, I kind of take intake everything and I go, yeah, this is awesome. But John Wick is just something that never clicked with me, but it, I do appreciate all three movies. And I think as a whole, it'll be interesting to see if t- in 10 years, if people are able to look back and say, that's John Wick 2 or like, that's John Wick 3, you know, because you can't really separate them in a way that you can say, you know, that's Alien, that's Aliens, you know, same thing with Terminator, like that's Terminator 1, that's Terminator 2, and you can kind of go, those are two separate things that exist. Right, I Uh, think what happens with those kind of situations is you just get iconic scenes in your head, and then you remember what movie they're from, you know what I mean? Like not, you don't separate the movies, it's just there are specific fight scenes or action, action sets set pieces that like work and you remember that and you remember that one's two that one's three yeah Yeah, but yeah yeah but i do think that that sticks to like the change in tone or the change in look because you'll go that scene looks different like this action scene works because of this and then in alien one i like you know people will go in alien one where the chest burster burst out of the guy's scene in the kitchen that's like from that movie but that's because that's the horror scene you know right the reason that that's remembered is because it's the horror scene and then people go oh the scene at the end where in aliens where she's beating up the queen in that uh mech suit the, the you know get away from her you bitch scene that's more action but then it's you know the 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 change in tone splits the two and then it ends up splitting the movies in your mind right definitely i could see that for me i know you said you weren't super into the john wick movies and and this is unrelated to what we were talking about, but for me, the John Wick, John Wick movies fill, boy, and this is kind of weird to say, fill a void of Western versions of martial arts films. You know what I mean? Like, Ip Man, The Raid, uh, I think, it might be like District B-13 is one. Um, yeah. A lot of movies like that where it's just like martial arts movies. I think John Wick is a distinctly Western version of those movies. I, okay. It's, oh, it's, okay. A, it's okay. a loose... Like, uh, to me, it's always been... You like, were saying Western... Both... both. So the, the classic, like, capital W Western version of that sort of story is the Western, is what you were saying. Well, right? I guess, sorry. I meant Western as in, like, if we talk about... <clears throat> Like the east yeah, and the west, the like east. the eastern yeah, version. The, yeah, it meant. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But I was thinking about like your like the just like the normal western, but ultimately the western like you know like uh, like North America. Cowboy, yeah, North yeah. America. That west, the, the, those movies are the western version of you know like you said, It Man and the Raid and stuff. So right. ends up and fitting. I love those movies. I will sit and watch any of the Raid movies, any of the It Man movies. Any of those at any time, and I will those I'll rewatch the shit out of, um, just because it I'm a scumbag and love seeing people fight. I know it's I know it's an action movie, but like fighting to me is one of the most enjoyable things to watch. Whether it's um, boxing, UFC, you know, action scenes in movies, yeah. like hand to hand fighting, and and while John Wick does have a lot of guns, which I think is what kind of pushes it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, towards our audiences, it's still very close, hand to hand. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, all raw, I, like physical. Yeah, I think the best stuff in the John Wick movies is the hand to hand stuff, like the knife stuff in the third one. Um, I'm trying to think of other memorable. Yeah, shouts out to Boban. 
Uh, fucking Boban. Oh, yeah, Boban with the book. Yeah, with the, the book. Library. His giant ass hands. That is the largest human I think I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's the stuff that, see, like, that, that, like, that scene, that's that memorable stuff. That's the stuff that clicks. Not just endless, um, you know, headshots to faceless people. Right. Um, you were, you were talking about, shit, what were you, you were saying something that I wanted to get into. Westerns, um, and John Wick. Fuck, I forgot. Anyway, sorry. It's all good. Um, was it anything to do with watching fights? <laughs> oh right right yes 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 yes. that's what it was so uh well actually two things that i just remember right now one is um like i think fight scenes that work in movies operate a lot like music um or a dance um i can see that if you watch if you watch um like when you get off of here if you watch like the dojo scene which we just talked about from the matrix right and you listen to the sound and you listen to sort of the, the, the moves that they make. It's a lot of like, like, like pitter patter. It's like, like, it's not just a barrage of sound and fury. It's like, it's like a very coordinated, like escalation and de-escalation like you would in a song in the mixing of the, of the, um, the sounds in the fights to it same thing with the car chase you know it, it can't just be just like a barrage of blah like which has been recent michael bay <laughs> exactly car chase has like specific sounds and they're screeching and there's like um pitches and, and and explosions um a good example would be the chase scene with the 18 wheeler and the joker and the dark knight if you listen to if you go watch that one after we get off you'll notice the same things like in a fight scene it's like a like a song like a sound it it it, it has to hit you in that same sort of primordial pitter-patter sound more than just like an explosion of just like fights right you know what is the most amazing thing is that i hadn't thought about this until you mentioned it like this whole idea we're talking about where you know it's it all kind of goes to music um unrelated one of the things that like i remember learning about language is that like we have butchered the english language to such a degree over here in america specifically because we've taken all the musicality and all of the rhythm out of speech. Like mm -hmm. when you go to like Ireland, as much as people make fun of the accent, it's a very song like, you know what I mean? There is a rhythm, there's a melody to speaking that language. Right. The same thing you get in like, you know, Spanish speaking countries, Italian, you know what I mean? Yeah, it all kind of has that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think Mexican Spanish has that Mexican, like specifically like Mexican Spanish has this very sing songy, like up and down. like da, 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 And I wonder like, if that's why those languages sound so appealing. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, Spanish language is always the sexy language. You know what I mean? Like French is the language of love. You know what I mean? Like they, that music, I think kind of pulls with it. And where I was going originally before I sidetracked myself um, is that a perfect example of the car chase thing is the difference between your generic action movie car chase and Baby Driver. Baby Driver, I was just gonna say that. because I was, he, yeah. he puts, he literally puts the music in his ears and you hear the music the whole time the chase is happening. And right. that movie is the best I haven't seen all the Fast and Furious movies. I definitely didn't watch the early ones where it was more about racing. Like, I started right. watching them as they just became action set pieces. Um, right. But, like, that to me is the best car action in a movie I've seen in a very long time, if period. 
Yeah, yeah, like um, I was just gonna mention Baby Driver, and there's a there's that shootout that happens about halfway through that where the gunshots make like a beat. Do you remember yep. that one? Yeah, I do. And it sort of says the song, and that that's sort of that's like the most explicit version of what I was talking about. It's like sort of me. It makes the the uncon the subconscious conscious. Like it, it sort of goes, no, this is what it is, and right. I'm sure it was. Like, no, this is definitely music you're hearing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like... yeah. It makes it insanely. Di- it makes it. I'm sure it's, it was insanely difficult to put together to to sort of structure. Um, but it's like that. It's like that's sort of like the best ones sound like that. Like you were talking about uh, car chase scenes, Mad Max, which was brought up this week. Oh um, yeah, it came out five years ago recently. Um, Wait, what? Same thing. You watched those. Uh, Fury Road. Fury Sorry. Road came out five years ago. Yeah. Where has my life gone? All right. <laughs> shit. And so if you same thing. If you watch the, the 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 clips of that one, the way it's edited is so perfect. I mean, I'm not going to go into why Fury Road is a perfect movie. It just is in every single way. But if you you know same thing, editing like the gears, the shifting, the sound, everything is in this perfect mix. It's not just cacophonous, which it which it absolutely could have been. Um, you know, a but, good example uh, of something that's missing rhythm in in musicality to it is the action scenes in Marvel movies for like. The action scenes in Marvel movies are as good as they are purely on the level of spectacle, not because they're actually good. You know what I mean? It's cool to see Captain America punch, you know, somebody else and send them flying across the street. But if we go to the best fight scenes in any of the any of the Marvel movies, in my opinion, it is Cap and uh, what the fuck is his name? Sebastian Stan. Oh, a Bucky, yes, in Winter Soldier. Yeah, in, in, in the, the Winter Soldier in the street with the fucking dopest knife flip maneuver ever. <laughs> and then also the one-on-one between Cap and Iron Man at the end of Civil War. Right. That, yes, and yes, it's yes. such an intimate, like, you hear each individual punch and it has a rhythm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, when you get to... As cool as it was in Civil War, the first big fight where Spider-Man, Ant-Man, you know, they're all running at oh, each other. Yes, that yeah, is and yeah, and yeah, purely on spectacle. But if you go back and watch it, it's fucking awful to watch. There's a thousand cuts. You don't get any of the, you know, there's no rhythm to it. It's just like fucking Cap hit someone with shield, cut. Iron Man shoots someone with a blaster, cut. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's no rhythm. And it, it yeah, really I suffers mean, from it. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you like, other than like those, like what other ones are famous? The elevator fight in Winter Soldier, that one's good. Yep. Um, what else? What else? The there's the the fight with Thor and Iron Man in the woods in Iron Man One that I think works really well. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like that's it. Like you're right. Like that's it. Yeah. Like, the, I don't all the other ones just it. exist purely on like it's cool to see all these superheroes fight, right? Like <laughs> that's that's the the barrier the um the floor you know what i mean like we're just gonna make sure people want to see it and not really care if it's good and i think that it, those suffer which is wild to say that the marvel movies suffer anywhere but like now that you've mentioned it you know what i mean those are those are things where you definitely don't get the rhythm the musicality the you know everything that kind of makes it what it is and you can actually notice yeah and also like i think the, the like this is the, the last point i'll sort of talk about when talking about action movies um i think the best action movies or the best action sequences 
work because not only are they good and not only because are there are there stakes and we care about the characters and they're in actual danger which makes you know that's where the drama comes from they also tell us something about the characters um the example i always 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 bring up i know what it is it's casino royale yep where, where the dude slides underneath the railing right right, right. Yeah, and, and as, yeah, yeah. So early on in the movie, Casino Royale, with the first James Bond movie with Daniel Craig, he's following this bomb maker through this construction site in uh, Madagascar, and he he's chasing him. The 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 guy he's doing parkour, and so the guy will you know he'll jump through a tiny window, and Daniel Craig will bust through it. He'll break break through the window. He goes up this crane, and instead of climbing up the crane, James Bond just like. Uh, extends like um, the crane lever thing or whatever. The guy jumps down like two stories on top of elevators. James Bond just breaks the hydraulics off of a crane and he like flies down. So you learn so much about how he reads problems, fixes problems on the fly so quickly, and you go, "Oh, this is who this guy is," just from his acting. Right. And I think that no frills, off. no horseshit, no horseshit. He is <laughs> exactly. He is like, I'm just gonna run through. I'm just gonna bulldoze whatever you have in front. Yeah, of Yeah, man. And once, and I think in one bit, <coughs> the parkour guy jumps down and he lands perfectly. And then James Bond tries to do the exact same thing, falls flies like into an HVAC unit and just gets up and does that Bugs Bunny like the head shake like the and, like he literally <laughs> does that sound effect and keeps running. Um so yeah I think the the best action scenes do that where you sort of go, oh this person is reading it this way. This person is is you know you get something from them or about how they think about problems as they're doing the action. It's not just like um oh they're doing this because it's you know because they're right cat through a shield because that's what he does yeah <laughs> another one is good another good one is the early diehards like the first diehard where he's you know you see him you get who he is from what he does not just in non-action scenes but in inaction scenes which i think is it's insanely hard because as a director you just want to go oh let's just put the big explosions here but there's so much more to it Definitely, and that's that. I think that is what separates generic action scenes from you know well thought out and, and ones that. And the thing is, like, even if you don't catch it, like I would have never thought of that Casino Royale thing explicitly. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I would have never put that together. But I have to believe somewhere, uh, you know, the subtext did register. You know what I mean? Right. Because like you still get that feeling from that James Bond. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like we're not we're not pulling out the little fucking pen fucking uh gadgets, you know what I mean? Like James Bond's just gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you get this sort of you it just clicks so well in such a such a uh subconscious level that your your mind goes, Oh, it just it just hits it and you don't register. You don't think about it, it just hits that like lizard part of your brain that goes, Oh, pattern like it just <laughs> Yeah. Um and you know what's really oh go ahead. I was just gonna say anytime that I, I, I think about or I talk about um, sort of how stuff registers without us thinking about it. It reminds me of this tweet I saw that where somebody goes, "Oh, bro, you 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 say your brain's acting weird? Yeah, it's acting weird. It's just meat with electricity in it." <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I, I remember. Thought, oh yeah. I <laughs> I was watching something and I can't remember who it was specifically, but it was a guy talking to a doctor, and he was like, "Like, have you ever thought like?" So, you know, everyone is, well, I guess not everyone, uh, people at some point, you know, legitimately get to a point psychologically where they're like, oh, I'm in the fucking matrix. You know what I mean? Like, like there's always, 
like I've definitely had that thought. Like like what if this is all a figment of my imagination? Specifically, I got it when I hit a tree going fucking 95 miles an hour with no seatbelt and all I have is a scar on the back of my hand. Like from that moment forward, I've definitely had the thought multiple times where I'm like what if I'm dead and this is just some weird fucking like dying breath fucking figment of my imagination running shit on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like I heard a guy ask a doctor about that and the doctor was like like basically like what if this is a simulation and the doctor's like it is a simulation. Your brain is literally in a meat puppet just telling you what <laughs> it thinks is going on. You know what I mean? Right. It's like holy shit, you're right. Like like the brain doesn't have vision. You know what I mean? The brain gets electricity from your eyeballs. It's like yeah, that's probably what it is. You know? <laughs> Yeah, like and, and everyone's goes, brain works the same. It's, 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 it just like gets kettle prodded from your wrist to your body, going, "This is like this sucks," or like, "Oh, this is great." And then, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, all it's looking for is for to get zapped in the right spot so that it releases the good chemical instead of the bad chemical. Um, right. But and, yeah. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, like you said, maybe this is all the vision. Like you're, you're. You just crashed, and this is the one second that's been extended to an eternity, and you're about to shit yourself because you're about to die, and it's just extended to, like, you know, 70 years. Right. Exactly. But, like, there's no, like, but it's, and basically the doctor was saying, like, first of all, it is already a simulation. It's your, you know, your fucking brain just telling you what it thinks is going on. And then, on the other hand, like, it doesn't do any good to think about anything like that. So it's just, like, you can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'll never know. It. It's just a bunch <laughs> of chemical reactions being like, oh, I'm just a bunch of chemical reactions. And then it just goes, okay, and then once one day it won't be a chemical reactions and that'll be it. Yeah. What's really a shame is that we've had such amazing transitions from topic to topic this whole episode. And I don't have a transition for the what I think. Where are we at on time? We're like a little bit above an hour. A little bit past an hour. A little bit of past an hour. All right. So, should we talk about the ESPN Top 74 real quick? I completely forgot about that. Um, uh, We could save it. We could save it for next week. I feel like this is a good place to end on in terms of... Uh, I feel like going from, like, hey, your brain is just a chunk of meat to being like, anyway, back to the... <laughs> we can save it. All right. So we're going to keep that streak alive. Good transitions. Fuck everything you heard in this conversation leading up to this bad transition. We're not worried about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just like, especially going, you know, this. you should be hearing this on a Thursday. Going into a weekend. Don't think about it. Just have fun. Relax. Everybody's going through a hard time. So, uh, yeah, just, just uh, you know what? Yeah, let's talk about the 74. The 74. We'll, we'll hit it real quick just because I do want to leave people thinking about something that isn't as uh, bleak as a as as your life is a simulation and you actually yeah. died years ago um yeah that's <laughs> like, probably not a bad idea yeah um, like, like yeah like you know the, the, uh, you and everybody you love are just meat chunks bashing <laughs> on a rock in an empty vacuum of space that is so infinite uh, and vast that your brain will literally melt the moment you realize how big everything is uh, yeah, so let's avoid that. So no transition. Just going to talk about that NBA top seventy-four. That was it. ESPN did or Sports Illustrated? ESPN. It was ESPN. Um, so I looking at the top ten. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I just wrote down some notes. Which is that first of all, shouts out to fucking ESPN for doing what nobody wants to do and putting Tim Duncan in his rightful fucking place. 
That man is, I think, sixth or seventh on the list, right? Let me see. I have the list right here. Uh, I don't. Oh shit! This thing only goes down to number eleven. Let me see. Okay. Either so he's, he's, but he's up of, there. He, he's definitely ahead of Kobe. Definitely ahead of Shaq. And everyone's gonna be like Tim Duncan. Yes, the correct answer yes. is yes. It yes. is Tim and he's Duncan. Always, anybody who tells you Kobe's better or he's he's more on he's higher up on the goat list than Tim Duncan, it's just a Kobe stand or they're delusional. Look, R.I.P. to Kobe. I loved Kobe yeah. growing up. I think he's a great player, but to put him ahead of Tim Duncan, I just don't think is. People right. discount. Pogasol so much to make Kobe's legacy work better. Pogasol, Andrew Bynum, who was the second yes. or third best center in the league at the Bro, time. Again, Andrew Bynum. People act like he was a fucking bum. And all I can tell you is that that man fucked up his leg. I don't. I want to say towards like ACL and MCL or something. He definitely fucked up his knee mm. horribly. And the 76ers, I want to say, yep. were like, I don't give a shit. I'm still going to spend all this money because he's that good. He's that good. I mean, he was, I think, by the time, so he was 18 in, like, 2005 or 2006, which means by the time that they won the championship, he was, like, 22 or 23. So, like, he had his whole career ahead of him. And, you know, injuries did eventually derail him. But, but yes, yes, like, we're not bashing Kobe, but I do think that Tim Duncan is better. And I, I think... And this is not me saying, like, oh, you know, Tim Duncan did it alone. Yes, he had Tony Parker. He had Manu. And then at the end, he had Kawhi. But, yeah. But that's the thing is that those people – so, Tony Parker has never been a top three point guard in the league. You know what I mean? He's never been top three. And top five has been a stretch. You know what I mean? At certain points. Manu Ginobili, as good as he was, was consistently – a contender for sixth man of the year. It's not like he was, you know what I mean? Like, he's great, don't get me wrong, but, like, it, he wasn't a superstar. You know what I mean? Right. And, and Kawhi Leonard being a superstar now, you know, is not the same as Kawhi Leonard, like, two years in the league. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I mean, and even that one, the, the Kawhi that won the finals MVP, he was very good, um, but I, I don't think he was, like... He isn't where he is now, so I think right. Yeah. Um, another thing on the list that sort of caught my eye was Giannis being so high. Um, you know, I, I think Giannis is the future. I think he's an amazing player. I do think he's the MVP for this season. If the season did end now, um, I think LeBron is second, but I do think Giannis wins his second. They have him at twenty-seven, which I think is so interesting because he is ahead of John Stockton, who also you know didn't win a championship, but John Stockton is the all-time leader in assists. In and right. the man played 18 seasons. Um, right. He's ahead of Allen Iverson, who also just won MVP, no, no finals. Nuts. He's ahead of Steve Nash, two MVPs. Um, he's ahead of Isaiah Thomas, who yeah. I think after watching The Last Dance, I actually think he's better than what this list has. I think he, he he's kind of forgotten a little bit. Um, I think people hating him does hurt his reputation a little bit. But you know he's he he was Finals MVP. He's got two rings, and to go down or to to win those rings, he had to go through Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Michael Jordan. Right. And he was definitely no fucking slouch. No. And he was the dude on he was that the team. Dude, and he was very good. Like I, as I, much as Michael Jordan was the dude on the Bulls, he still had Scottie Pippen, who even in the documentary they mentioned that like Scottie Pippen was also a top five player in the league. For a certain amount of time. Right, right. And then you had Dennis Rodman, who is, you know, 
the greatest rebounder of all time. The greatest rebounder and one of the of all time. Yeah. Right. So it's like as much as Michael Jordan was obviously the greatest, like he still had stars on his team. Fucking Isaiah Thomas, second best player was Joe Dumars, who no offense to Joe Dumars is not a superstar. Right. He's a good. He's, he's a good player. But yeah, but I th- those are those were the two biggest ones. Isaiah Thomas being sort of relatively low, and um, yeah, Giannis being surprisingly high. I I think eventually, I honestly do think he will be that high by the time it's all said and done. I but just, he's crowning it a little too early. I, I, I do, I do think, but just because of um, it's still too early. I yeah, um, right. If he, you know, if, if it's all said and done and he fucking stays in Milwaukee and never wins anything, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to look back on that list and be like, whew, that was, that was, that was, a, little, uh, that was a little premature. A little, early. a little premature. I mean, he's ahead of Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook, they both have the same number of MVPs. And Russell right. Westbrook has that, you know, I think he, they were in the conference. He's been to more conference championships. He was in the conference championship in, I think, 15 with the Warriors. And then I think he was also in, in the one in 12 when they went to the finals. So, right. it's, yeah, I mean, that to be, I mean, I think ultimately Westbrook and Giannis will be around the same in terms of when it's all said and done, but to be 15 spots ahead of him. Right. And, you know, Westbrook came into the league in 08, Giannis in 13, so that's five years of extra stuff that I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I can. I don't right. Think it just, it's, it's too premature. Right. All right, all right the, so, oh, go ahead. The only other things I wanted to hit on this list are, one, um, Charles Barkley is pretty high on that list. I don't remember exactly where he's at, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get the respect he deserves because of the rings. Um, okay. Yeah, no rings, and then also just like who he is now. But that man, I, the my m- most favorite clip of him as a player is I don't know I don't know the game. You know what I mean? I've just seen it in a highlight multiple times. Is that a dude goes to shoot a three pointer and he closes out on the three point shooter? jumps to block it, gets high enough that he grabs it out of the air and curls it under his arm with one hand. Like, you know how freakishly athletic you have to be to close out on a three-point shooter and just fucking just snatch it? it. Like, grab it. Yeah, like, I, think, snatch like, it. I would do that from a guy, like, you know... Near the backboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And, yeah. So, so he never gets the props he deserves. I mean, even, even they talk about in the last dance briefly, which is that, like, Charles Barkley was legitimately a problem. And when they talk about that exhibition game, which we'll get into probably more next week, you know, Charles Barkley was possibly the second best player on that court at that time. And Charles Barkley even says, like, up until I saw Michael Jordan in the Olympics, I was 100% sure that there was nobody in the league that was better than me at basketball. And that all changed. But anyways... Definitely never gets his props. I'm glad he – I think he's ranked pretty high. Yeah. So that's good. And then the other thing I just wanted to touch on very briefly is that Hakeem Olajuwon is ranked 12th. And my favorite thing about Hakeem Olajuwon is that Hakeem Olajuwon was drafted the same year Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan went third. Number two was – Sam Bowie. Sam Bowie. I was about to say Dave Bowie because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um and number one was Hakeem Olajuwon. And the greatest testament to Hakeem Olajuwon, to how good he was, is that Sam Portland is forever mocked for choosing Sam Bowie. Despite Sam Bowie very possibly could have been a great player if he never got hurt. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. says shit to the fucking Rocket. Rockets for right. picking up 
Like Ima one. Yeah, they're, they're like, just, nah, yeah. you made the right choice. The that right was choice. the one. Okay, it wasn't the goat, but you know, you got you got two rings out of it. You got it. You know, the the greatest one of the greatest centers of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What can you like, do? no you made the right choice it's it, it you know what i mean like nobody nobody thought because like they say in the, the documentary people didn't think at the time you could have the scoring champion be your champ you know what i mean so right. even with hindsight 2020 it's still like no they were that's fine yeah. that was a good pick it's like drafting you know drafting peyton manning one and tom brady three it's like yeah it's not the go man you know he did yeah well, exactly so. right yeah I, we can end we can end this on this last one I'm going to tell you, we can end it right after I tell you the, 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 this exact fact. Russell Westbrook is number 42, and number 41 is none other than Bob Cousy. <laughs> uh, I never know how to feel about that. It's so hard to like the throw historical... <laughs> of this man, he is wearing Chuck All-Stars on a basketball court for a professional basketball league. <laughs> yeah. He, that man only could dribble with his right hand, also. Yeah. Yes. Russell was to shatter every single bone <laughs> in his legs into fine dust if he played Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy <laughs> would be like fucking Lieutenant Dan after he played <laughs> with Westbrook. Oh yeah, Bob Cousy would be like like those 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 shots in movies where people are falling into quicksand, and they're grasping for a vine. That would be Bob Cousy playing Russell Westbrook. Bob Cousy playing Russell Westbrook would look like the fucking Saving Private Ryan. He would look um, like fucking like the Terminator in Terminator Two when he's frozen and he's taking a step, and every time he takes a step, a part of his legs break or gets stuck on like that. That is Bob Cousy if he played Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that is 100% true. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, we're going to end it on that. That's straight up the truth. No argument there. Um, so, you know, it was good talking to you. Good. Uh, glad we could get this out for anybody listening. Um, yeah. 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 If, if you want to catch us. Yeah. If you if you want to catch us on um, Twitter instagram all that's on at diff animals pod and the email if you have any suggestions uh, comments you know just want to be nice and tell us it's great that's at different animals podcast at gmail.com um you can catch me individually at t money bags m-u-n-n-y on twitter and instagram instagram don't have shit on it but maybe one day it will uh <laughs> And then, and, uh, what about you ever? Yeah. Um, for me, you can find me on Instagram at, at ever Castro 92. Um, and I also want to, uh, I know, uh, Tyler, you have the music, um, the, the, the guys who do the music for us, but I wanted to shout out, uh, Colin Cease for the, uh, podcast art and you can find him on Instagram at creative dot Colin. That's Colin with two L's. Yep, and the guys that did the music are uh, Eddie Ruger was my contact. I believe Philly Fresh is the one that put the beat together. Um, I'll have their information at the bottom of this list as well. Okay, cool, cool. cool. All right, guys, uh, catch you motherfuckers next week. See you guys. Have a good week. See you. Oh, oh, and and you know why uh, Charles Barkley didn't have another ring? Why? Never got a ring. It's too many Urkels on this team. That's why it's Winslow. <laughs> <laughs>